Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 110. Hey, this is Ken Shamrock, world's most dangerous man. And if you want to have the dangerous network that I have, you should listen to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Ken Shamrock. Ken is known as the world's most dangerous man and a godfather of mixed martial arts. Shamrock is a worldwide recognized MMA fighter and is an inductee into the UFC Hall of Fame. Along with fighting in the UFC, Shamrock also wrestled in the WWF and was the first ever Pancras heavyweight world champion 
in Japan. In addition to fighting, he's the founder of the Lion's Den, a renowned fighting school where some of the world's best fighters have trained. Outside of fighting, Shamrock is a businessman who is involved in various ventures and looking for the next opportunity. He's an international speaker for venues spanning from TED Talks to ministry functions. He's also the founding father of Lion's Den Ministries, a not-for-profit that serves as a mouthpiece to troubled youth and young adults. Furthermore, Shamrock has written two books, Inside the Lion's Den and Beyond the Lion's Den, and has appeared in several films. Ken, welcome to the show, man. Super, super excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're most excited about right now? Sure. I appreciate the introduction. And yeah, well, it's hard to say what I'm most excited about because I've got multiple ventures going on right now and nothing's really written in ink yet, you know, but Mm -hmm. the ideas are exciting and there's the future looks really bright for a lot of them. And, And one of them is called CE3. It's about matching up celebrities and entrepreneurs together, celebrities who have have kind of ran their journey through whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's sports or acting or whatever it is they did. And they've come kind of towards the end of their career. And and everybody kind of realizes that time when it's coming. And it's just like, you start panicking, like, where am I going to make my money now? Even though you have money put away, but you still got to live for another 50 years. And so you start thinking about, Hey, what am I going to do now? And so we match up these hotshot entrepreneurs with these celebrities to be able to leverage what they've already created, which their popularity, uh, everybody knows them, be able to leverage that towards uh, startup companies, businesses that need marketing and, and need eyes on product and stuff. And so we set up strategic partnerships through these entrepreneurs with these celebrities. And so that's exciting. It's like I said, we're in the process of building that. It's fun to see it start to develop. We've got some people now that we're going to put in some leadership roles. And so that's fun. And we got another thing called Pocket Shot. It's like a slingshot, but you carry it in your pocket because of the way it's made up. It's like some tubing and, and a bracket that you can put a beam in and fire out. So that's kind of like a toy nice. thing. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to get involved with these different things, right? Even through right. being a kid, a kid again. So that there has been fun and I really enjoyed that. We're looking into doing some a reality show where we're looking for the world's most dangerous fighters. And so uh, that reality show, we've had several meetings. Things look really good. And so we're next step. I think we're actually putting the plan together and, and we'll be moving forward on it sometime in the fourth quarter of 2018. So that's kind of a small things that, that we're in the process of doing. We've got other things, but those right there are exciting for me. Really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Well, and we'll take a little bit more of a, a deeper dive into those things throughout the course of this interview, but I want to kind of take it back here, Ken, and talk about how this all started. So talk to me about what happened when you were a child growing up, like how, who you are today came out of your childhood experience. Like, have you always been a fighter? Oh yeah. You know, with some of the experiences I had as a young kid, even at five years old, a lot of people can't understand some of the stories I talk about being five years old and getting jumped in the bathroom. And, you know, cause I was at, at the time I was in a kindergarten or whatever they called it at that time, daycare or whatever, but it was at a middle school or little school, grade school where we would walk to school, my two older brothers. And I was five years old. I want you to think about that for a minute. Most people can't even understand that, but people who come from that type of atmosphere do understand that there's kids that develop and they have to because of their environment and the situation that they're in. And so that really, I think it solidified that I was a fighter, that I wasn't going to just lay down and die and let people walk over me. And it was just something that was in me. And it, it because of my situation, I was able to tap into that, unconsciously tap into that, that no quit, never give up type attitude. Yeah. And talk to me about the environment that you were around at this point. Like were your parents and where were you growing up at, all that kind of stuff? Well, my biological father, who I'm in touch with now, good guy, he struggled early on in his life with some different situations and ended up separating from my 
mother and then my biological mother. And so she was trying to raise three kids and work. And we were left home a lot, fending for ourselves, sometimes no food. We'd steal broken toys out of trash cans. The neighbors would throw away. We basically were in a ghetto, literally the ghetto. We had one bed for all of us to sleep in. We didn't have any mirrors in the house, no TV. And it was just really a rough, rough thing. But like I said, that it's really interesting to see the power of human beings when they're put into an adversity hmm. and what they're capable of doing when there's no, in their minds, there's no boundaries of what they're capable of doing because of their situation. Yeah, right, right, right. So at this point, you are living with your biological mom up to what age? And then you hit a certain age and then you start bouncing around in the foster care system. Is that correct? Yeah, I was five years old. And then I think probably about six, seven. I can't, like I said, these, it's a long time ago, but yeah, we yeah. moved from there. She met a guy out of the military, packed up, moved to Napa, California. By the time I was 10 years old in Napa, California, I had strong arm robbery. I'd been stabbed and I was put into juvenile hall. And from that point on, I spent from the time I was 10 years old till I was 18 years old in placement. And I failed a lot of different ones till I ended up at the Shamrock Boys Home where Bob Shamrock, who owned the home, and Dee Dee Shamrock, who owned the home, took me in as one of their 18 boys that they had. And that's really where I started finding an opportunity to change my life because they dealt with me individually and with individual problems. And Hmm. because I had such a hot temper and I was angry and I would, someone would do something, I would just flip a switch and I was off and and punching no matter how big they were. I just went off. And so he noticed that right on and put me into sports, was able to channel that anger into something that was positive instead of negative. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, 
you need Indeed. Yeah. So at what point along the way, like I assume you weren't like boxing in high school as, as far as a sport goes. So you were doing like traditional sports at this point, right? And then you were basically just kind of a street fighter, just a scrapper, always getting into fights, getting into trouble and that kind of stuff. So at what point were you actually starting to realize like this is something that I want to actually pursue professionally? Or did you ever come to that point? Well, no, I didn't until I actually did it. You know, I was uh, in Mooresville, North Carolina. I was doing pro wrestling. And Dean Malenko was staying at my house at the time, and we were traveling, going to these different house shows. And I remember he showed me this videotape, and I watched this thing. I'd never seen it before, where guys were doing open-hand strikes to the head, closed fist punches to the body. They were kicking, they were kneeing, and they were actually throwing, you know, suplexes and different throws. And then when they hit the ground, they were working for all these joint manipulations, leg locks, mm. arm bars, and chokes. And so I just looked at this, and I went, where is this? And he said, well, they're training over in Florida, in Tampa at my dad's place. And he says, but they go over to Japan to fight. I said, man, I want to do that. And he looked at me and he goes, that's not fake. That's not entertainment. I said, I looked at him. I said, no. I said, that right there is the real deal, man. I want to do that. Kind of looked at me like crazy. He said, hey, I can bring you and introduce you to Sammy, who was the promoter for the U.S. at the time. Mm -hmm. And so he made the introduction. I went down to Tampa. I kind of did a tryout down there, kind of thumped everybody they had down there. (laughs) And then they put me... Two months later, Sammy goes, hey, come on down to Japan. We'll want to look at you. So I go to Japan and I went through a tryout there and got the tar kicked out of me. And then I don't know how long it was, but it was month, two months later. I'm in the ring in front of 17,000 people. Wow. And I won my first fight. And so that's when I realized, like, this is what I want to do. So at that point, Ken, did you have like any sort of formal fighting training or was it just like, I'm in the gym all the time. I know how to fight put me in the ring with somebody well it was an experience i did tough mans you know i won okay. three tough mans yeah i did street fighting since the time i was five years old i was always fighting for something right, right. it was always right. fighting so i was very aware of how to throw a punch i was very aware of my positioning and not being in a bad position and i had athletic ability because i wrestled and played football and okay. so all those things combined then i got a little bit of training before i went into the ring not a whole lot but enough to know what was dangerous and what was not dangerous and what what to stay away from. And so I was able to really, because I was so dang strong that I was able to really manhandle and muscle my opponent and win that fight. But it was when I heard him cheering and chanting my name, Yeah, that's when I realized like, this is is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yes. Were you favored to win that fight or was the other guy? I don't know. I mean, I I think he probably was, but because, you know, obviously you've been doing it, been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. And you were basically yeah, so, just like right fresh out of the gate. Nobody knew who you were. So it went from nobody knowing who you were to 17,000 people chanting your name in pretty much like a two month time frame, which is fantastic. So there's a magic on that, dude. And I think yeah. most people almost don't realize this, that because of my emotions, because of my expressions, because of my desire to want to win, it showed when I was fighting, right? My passion showed in the ring. And so instantly in the Japanese eyes, I was a superstar for them because here I was in fighting and I was like, you know, one or two, three, four on the card and nobody knows who I am, my first fight. And now they're chanting my name. So they realized right away, I look back on it now and I know that they looked at it right away, realized that they had some, a superstar. Right. Right. So at this time, basically this was non-existent in the U S is that correct? Yeah, there was no. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long was it until like the UFC started to actually form and you started to realize that you could actually do this back in the States? 
I was doing this two and a half years. I became the first peg race champion. My career was just skyrocketing. I mean, I started getting known all over the world through the pancreas organization. Okay. It came up with uh, Art Davies, this Knowles Bard ultimate fighting show was coming to town. And mm-hmm. one of my students had uh, shown me this flyer and I was like, dude, that's wrestling. And he goes, no, man, it's not wrestling. This is real. And I was like, no, it's not, man. It's no holes barred. It's like, that's pro wrestling. And he goes, no, I'm serious. It's a fight. So I said, all right. I call Art Davies and I started picking his race. I said, is this real, right? And he goes, yep, absolutely real. Anything goes. He goes, yeah, I can kick him on the ground. I can headbutt him. He goes, yep. I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, all right, well, I, I want to do it. And he goes, yeah, well, why would we take you? I said, well, <laughs> I'm the champion over in Japan. I do the uh, mixed martial arts fighting over there. And He's like, well, what do you mean? No holes barred, mixed martial What are you talking about? I go, well, you know, we punch, we strike, we, we just submission on the ground. And he goes, really? So now there's nobody else in the tournament that does that except for Hoist Gracie because no one does it here, right? Mm-hmm, so he's right. like 30 minutes later, he calls you back and said, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so at first it was kind of like you call him up and you're like, hey, I want to do this. And then he's like, whoa, 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 wait, I didn't ask you to do this. Why should I even take you? And then all of a sudden <laughs> yes. it was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. We want you. Yeah, come on. Like, let's do this. Let's go. <laughs> right. So when this was first getting started, I'm not familiar with like what was actually sanctioned and what was not. So correct me if I'm wrong, but when this first started, like there were no big as far as like casinos or big arenas that were actually condoning this at this point, right? It was mainly like smaller type places that were like, all right, let's give it some gas and see how it goes. Or what did that look like? No, I think there was, we had some big, like even in Denver, their arena was a good size, but in the very first ones, it wasn't full, but there was a good crowd there. It wasn't like I said, it was about probably maybe three quarters, no, not three quarters, a quarter full. But I think after the first three or four shows, they started filling these arenas. So we were getting anywhere from five to 8,000 people in these arenas. And then of course it did it started to grow from there. And then all the political stuff came in. So it was catching on very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool, man. I I love uh, being able to chat with you about this because obviously now it's grown into this phenomenon and you have celebrity fighters that are coming out of it who are known literally all over the world for fighting in this. So it's really cool to be able to talk to you to someone who like literally laid the groundwork for everybody else to be able to come after you and have what they have now, which is super cool because the cool thing about that to me is that it tells me that you didn't really care as much about like all that other stuff. You just wanted to fight. And so, so much respect for that from an athletic standpoint standpoint. So I know that you did a few matches in the WWF as well. What was that time frame? Where, like, where along this whole timeline did that fit in? Well, listen, I'm bad with time frames. I want to say 96, 97, 98, or, or 97, 98, 99. It's somewhere in that area. So okay. I was there for about three years, a little less than three years. And, and it was in the late 90s. Okay. Um, like during and, all the uh, UFC stuff or after or... It was during the time that UFC was being struggling and they were going to close the doors before Zufa bought it. Yeah, before Zufa bought it. Okay, got it, got it. So how was that going from UFC, which is obviously totally real, over to the WWF professional wrestling again? I don't think people realize how hard that transition is because I want you to think about this. You got people like myself who have trained and fought their whole life to go out there and produce, never right. give up and never stop. And you got to win. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're going into this industry where you're saying, oh, hey, yeah, no, don't worry about it. You know, don't try hard. And also, by the way, I want you to cry. I want you to whine. 
<laughs> I, want, yeah. I want you to sell this. Uh, it goes completely against the grain right. from everything that you understand. So it really is a difficult transition because you have to realize and look yourself in the mirror and go, hey, this isn't about me. This is about going out there and doing a good job and yeah. putting on a good show. And so don't think about how you look when you're doing this stuff. Just think about what you're supposed to be doing during this time. And so it really was being able to check your ego and allowing yourself to go out there and do the best job. Because really, that's how you're going to get your credibility and be proud of what you're doing is right. by going out right. there and producing what you can as the best. Yeah. Yeah. And so much, so much awesome stuff here, Ken. I do kind of want to switch the conversation now, talk a little bit more about networking and the business stuff we we're talking about at the beginning, because this is the Build Your Network podcast. I love what you're doing nowadays, Ken, because I think a lot of like what we we're talking about a little bit at the beginning of professional athletes or celebrities that come out of what they're doing don't seek the financial advice of people, of business owners, of entrepreneurs who've been doing this for a long time. And so this is something that I really respect about what you've done is that you were like, okay, here's an area that I'm really good in. And here's an area that I'm kind of weak in, but I'm going to go connect with somebody who's strong in this area that I'm weak in so that we can really take advantage of this. And that person was Des Woodruff, who by the way, was episode 90 of Build Your Network. So if you want to go check out his episode, we talk more about the business side of everything that him and Ken do together. But how did that relationship come about, Ken? Because that's a fascinating story to me. Yeah, I was traveling. Uh, I was doing a lot of ministry stuff and meet and greets. And I was really getting frustrated at this process. It seemed like I was, I was constantly going back to the same well again. And each time I would go back to this well, there was less and less water. And so I felt started to panic a little bit like, man, I can't keep doing this. I mean, I'm getting old for this and I can't keep going back and doing the same thing again. But, and I know I'm worth something. I know I built this thing here, but how do I leverage what I've already built towards making money? How do I yeah. do this? Mm -hmm. I had ideas, I had thoughts, but to be able to implement them, have the right connections to do them, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of stuff that I just, I struggled with. Right. And so I remember I was going on this trip and it was a, a ministry trip and I was going, I was speaking at this church, it was in Indianapolis. And I remember I got picked up by Des and he had actually volunteered to drive me around because he's an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and recognize an opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He realizes like, this is a way for me to be able to be in a car with a guy and be able to pick his brain on how this machine works. Yeah. And thank goodness that he is an extreme entrepreneur. I mean, he's always asking questions about everything. So he's, he is truly an entrepreneur. He, he wants to know about everything and how <laughs> it can generate money. So he's questioning me on stuff and talking to me. And I'm like, you know, one thing leads to another. And I'm talking about my website and I'm saying, hey, you know, my website's this. And it, it really doesn't have an identity. It's just there. You know, I'm trying to make this transition from this fighter to I don't know what. I know it's I'm worth something. I just don't. No. And I, so he starts talking to me, he says, oh, I can help you with your website. You know, I was like, really? And he says, yeah, I could, you know, we'll look at it and see if we can't give it a direction. And he goes, so how does this work when you go to do these appearances and stuff? And I said, well, you know, I come in and they pay me 5,000, 8,000, depending on how big the thing is. And yeah. I go in, I talk and do my thing and, and I go and he goes, you do businesses or, you know, you do motivational speaking. And I said, yeah, I, I go around and do different things like that. And he says, have you ever thought about Instead of taking that five thousand or ten thousand dollar check from somebody coming in one time, about you know bypassing that and trying to maybe even have a long term thing. You're not going to get a lot of money each month, but it'll be a residual income. You know, you'll get a constant flow of money. 
you know, by leveraging your name towards maybe advertising and drawing eyes to whatever product or business that you can match yourself with that makes sense and becoming an owner, an equity owner of these businesses. And all you got to do is get on the radio and pump it whenever you're on a show or doing something and you mention the name, you know, all of a sudden now you get three or four of those different businesses that you're involved with. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're making 15 to $20,000 of a residual income each month just by just advertising you marketing their business. Mm -hmm. And I was like- And actually having ownership, yeah. Yeah, that was like, I'm thinking, and and he says, you know, they by chance they sell, now you get a big pop. And I'm like, ding, 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 (laughs) ding, ding. I was like, that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) And after, after he started working on my website, it took me a while to, you know, allow him to come in because I'd had too many people said they could do things and they come in and they oh, just keep doing the same thing. Yep. It's already being done. Exactly. But after I think it was, I don't know, maybe six weeks or two months or something, we had been working together on the website and coming up with different ideas and stuff and talking about how this residual and this equity thing all worked. We came to a, a partnership. We came to an agreement that he would help me redirect my career and help me understand how to leverage this popularity, this brand towards equity ownership and businesses that need our right. marketing and advertisement. So since that time, man, we really have have done a lot with one another. We've created other businesses off of what we have built with our relationship. Mm-hmm. The CE3 is really a, a mold of what we have done. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say next. So you mentioned it at the very beginning. Uh, it's called CE3. So literally trying to pair celebrities with entrepreneurs and basically create partnerships just like the one that you and Des have formed, which is insanely smart to be able to do that right on the tail end of like actually doing it, right? Like you're not just throwing out a concept and saying like, cross your fingers, hope this works. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> like follow this blueprint that Des and I used to work together to make all of this money, to own all these different businesses, to be invested in this project and that project. Like here's the blueprint, go do it. So where can people go to find more about CE3 and how exactly does it flesh itself out currently? Like, is it all live and ready to go or, or what does that look like? Yeah, it's ce3.co, not com.co, ce3.co. And right now we're in the process of putting leadership in there. We're actually in right now. I mean, we just talked about it today, me and Des, as he's traveling because he's going to the Young Entrepreneur Convention. We were actually talking today and we have an individual that I finally, after we've gone through several people and, and vetted them, I think we finally have somebody to actually, that's going to run that business. Because wow. what we don't want to do is create a job for us because we have so many other things that we're doing that we have to have people that are going to run the day-to-day operations. Obviously, yep. we do the appearances, we mm-hmm. look at the celebrities, we look at the entrepreneurs, you know, we do that The stuff. big decision-making stuff, yeah. Yeah, so, but at the same time, now it opens up us to do run other stuff that we're doing also. Yeah. So right now, I think we're in a good position. I think we both really agree upon this guy. And I think probably in the next probably week or so, I think we'll have this guy in place and we'll be able to start I'm really taking, we've already done it just as a boilerplate type thing, Mm -hmm. but well, now once we get this guy in plate, because we've already done all the testing and all that stuff, we'll be able to start really pushing forward and start to get this thing going. Really cool. So we'll look at it from both angles here. So as a celebrity, how do you get involved with it? And as an entrepreneur, how do you get involved with it? Or is it the same process? Yeah, it's the same process. You just go to the website at CE3, you fill out the form there, and then we contact you and we figure out a way 
to match you because this is the important part, right? Oh, it's not yeah. just guys come in and say, oh yeah, by the way, hey, you two guys go together and, and go to work. Mm-hmm. We have to really understand who you are as a person, mm-hmm. what your likes and your dislikes are. We've got to understand what your temperament is, mm-hmm. where you are in life. Are you depressed? Are you happy? Because matching you up with the right guy, the right entrepreneur is key to the success. Right. So it's basically, it's like a dating website for pairing celebrities with entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so cool, so cool. So Except I mean, in this one, you don't get married and divorced and then broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't give away yeah, half, half your stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. So, okay, I got to ask this question, Ken. This is a question I ask everybody that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I'd have to say that you can't, the situation would, I think, weigh heavily on that decision. Okay. Because in my opinion, I believe if you know everybody, right, but you don't have anything, right? Mm-hmm. What does right. it matter? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, it's not going to do you any good. Mm-hmm. So I think it's got to be a balance, you know? I mean, obviously, I think that you know, who you know and you're in the right market of where you're at, definitely will bring you where you need to go. You're getting the right connections, meeting the right people, moving up the ladder a lot quicker than somebody that has to open the doors themselves. Mm. So yeah, I think who you know is definitely something that's powerful in the right situation. But like I said, it has to be in the right situation. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally understand where you're coming from on that. So obviously you spent your entire career on the what, your skill level, your knowledge base, all that kind of stuff took you your entire career to do that. And now you're kind of focusing a little bit more on the who, would that be accurate to say? No, I think right now it's really, as we talked about earlier, is on who you know, mm. rubbing shoulders, making connections with people and feeling the ground, you know, as we're moving forward. Des has a really good, solid mind in business. I have a good, solid mind in the entertainment world, mm-hmm. in the marketing world, how to market things, you know, one-liners. I mean, I'm just, uh, especially when it comes to talking, you know, and yeah. marketing and motivation. And so I think that, you know, it's a really, really strong balance with me and him and what yeah. we're doing right now. Yeah, so cool. So cool. And and I know you've been on a few friends of mine shows as well as like Ed Milet and a couple others that I've seen recently. And you guys are doing a fantastic job. I could not be happier that you took the time to come on the show, Ken. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Yes. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Golf. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I say this one every time somebody asks that. Abraham Lincoln, brother. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good choice. <laughs> how, yes. how do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I'm more of a visual guy, so I like to be able to watch and learn. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Well, I wake up in the morning. I get a cup of coffee. Me and my wife sit on the couch. We get up, I make breakfast, I eat, she goes to work, I jump in the shower, clean up, head to the gym, work out, come home. What is your go-to pump-up song? I don't have one. I have, I love music. I work out with music, but I love all music. There's not, there's many songs that I can play that will just, you know, it'll get me going. And a lot of Rocky themes are always one of them. There you go. Anything that's got a, a movie with a character I think those are way a little bit more for me because now I have something visual that I can relate that song to. And I saw you were just recently in a music video of Steve Aoki's. Is that right? 
Yeah, baby. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> All right. We'll look for that to drop then here pretty quick. Uh, what are you not very good at, Ken? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, really. Well, I've always been really horrible at algebra. Anything <laughs> bigger and harder than algebra, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing you don't need it, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? I'm on Twitter. You know, I do all of them, Instagram, social media, all the, I do all the social media stuff, okay. but I really do spend a lot more time on Twitter because to me, it's always one-liners or, you know, okay. easy contact, the like stuff that I can do fairly easy and still stay in contact with my fans. And what is your Twitter handle? At Shamrock Ken. At Shamrock Ken. Ken, go check it out. Check out all of Ken's content that he's putting out. I know he's releasing some awesome things really on all of his social media stuff, but it sounds like the majority on Twitter. Check out ce3.co and shoot us some feedback. Reach out to Ken, reach out to Dez, to myself. Let them know you heard about them on Build Your Network. Ken, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I really had a blast chatting with you. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.